Hey, this is David Baldwin, and uh, I uh, don't know what I am. I'm an entrepreneur of goodness, uh, and this is the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer. My guest today is David Baldwin. David, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. So happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Right before I hit record, you said something to me and I was like, you know what? I need to actually ask him this after I've hit record because I'm curious to hear the answer. But you said like, you have a theory about kids book authors. Now my business is called Dinosaur House. We turn industry leaders into kids book authors. Yeah. You were like, everybody thinks they can write a song and everybody thinks they can write a kid's book. I'm curious one, why you think that is, why you think it is that people think this way and why you think it's not true. Well, I don't think it's not true. I think it's harder than people think. So I think everybody kind of thinks because they hear them, they hear mastery. And when you come across mastery in your life, the masters make it look easy. And yeah. so people think like, well, I, I've, I've read a million children's book. I could do that. Uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an advertising and design guy and everybody thinks they could write a great commercial. Um, yeah. But in particular, I hear a lot of creative people and sort of people in general say like, oh, I could write a, I could write a kid's book. And I always just go, you can write a kid's book if you're really great at uh, distilling things down into simple concepts. Maybe you can, yeah. But you have to be a storyteller. You have to, you know, you're a storyteller or you're not, you know? And, and, um, and I just think people, people take mastery for granted. Yeah. Have you read any really bad kid's books? Like, do you have kids, by the way? I do. My kids are 25 and 22. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. I've read many bad kids book of which I will not uh, out, but uh, yeah, I used yeah, to read without books. outing any of them. I'm curious what it is you think makes for a not great kids book. Well, crappy writing, bad art. I mean, again, you see, you see some kids books that are sort of just churned out and it's clear that they're coming from some kind of mill, you know, yeah. some kids book mill. Um, what I think is um, I think a great, kids book is like anything else it's coming from the heart and it's coming with a point of view and it's got a um some kind of message to it or it's coming from um a place of wonder and um seeks to entertain first and sort of enlighten through you know without being heavy-handed like you know the again speaking of mastery you know you you my favorite kids book of all time is oh the places you will go and that book is a treatise on life. That book is, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a I have kid's that hanging book. on my wall next to me. It's, it's one of the most amazing pieces of art of the 20th century. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Dr. Seuss, like there's so many interesting things about his work. One of them that's interesting to me when I was studying Dr. Seuss in high school, um, uh, cause I did like some like research, uh, papers on him. Um, he, uh, he would constantly iterate on his own work. So I mm -hmm. thought that was really interesting. Like uh, if you go back to like his early work, there is uh, even in his like political cartoons, there's characters that he then later like fleshed out into kids books. And you can see yeah. themes that he just like kept almost saying the same thing throughout different kinds of work that he was doing yeah. and yeah. constantly iterating on what he, on like the kinds of stories or work that he was creating. And yeah. I have completely adopted that philosophy in my own stuff and it's even easier now in today's world this is not what you came on here to talk about but i'm like super oh, I, I love i'll it. talk about this for an hour and a half i love it um uh, but like uh because of the world that we live in today that dr seuss did not have dr seuss did not live in a world where you could rapidly iterate on your kids book 
And this is something that the kids book world has not caught up to. Like I I realized really early, oh, wait a second. I can just update the file on Amazon. And because of print on demand and Kindle, yeah. From now on, everyone everyone who bought it on Kindle is getting the, is getting the book updated right now, and then everyone from this moment forth who buys it on Amazon is getting the new version of the book that I updated. Yeah. And I'm just not romantic about like, oh no, the original story was worded this. No, like through performing the book in front of kids, if I figure out a better way of saying something, I'm just going to yeah. change the file. Yeah, and the, the world of kids books has has not adopted this ideology and um for me it's like honestly it's like part of the way that i figured out how to be successful as an author is i just go oh if i'm working really hard to perform a certain section of this kids book i'm just going to change it to whatever i know would would like land better but anyway, I, I have a i wrote a book as well and i've done that myself i went in and updated research because I found research that that was that that was even sort of more powerful towards the point that I was trying to make. And so I went in and updated. I went and rewrote it. And and again, it's all it's all print on demand, you know. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so your book, The Belief Economy, it's called the Belief Economy. This is the one you're yep. talking about, right? Yep. Yeah. How to give a damn, stop selling, and create buy-in. What yep. um when did you originally publish it? When did you update it? And what did you change? I think I, it, 2017 and then 2018. I, I found you know, I did a lot of rigorous research for that book before I wrote it. Um, but I wrote it, you know, over a year and a half later, <clears throat> you start writing a book a year and a half later, there's more research and there's more the the field that I was, what I was really interested in was um, business as a force for good and how to use marketing to make your customers' lives better. And, you know, I the 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 title is a little provocative about how to stop selling. I'm talking about how to sell by bringing people in and enrolling people into what you're doing as a brand or as a company. You still have your, of course, you still have your selling points that you would traditionally have, but it's about creating a valence around that of purpose and um, and making people's lives better. So that is something that has had some, a, a lot of work is being done in the marketplace right now to prove that. And in the year and a half to two years, probably a three-year process of, you know, researching and then writing and then publishing, there was a lot of work done in the three years. So I went in and I changed it. And I had a, I had a second edition within six months because I was like, Oh, I found this, I found this and I found this and I found this. And I just went in and changed it. Yeah. Um, Why did you, why did you decide you were going to write the book in the first place? Like what prompted it? Well, I, you know um, my, my sort of, if I'm going to have a day job, I have, I have a bunch of different companies that I've started and that I own, but if I have a day job, it's as a copywriter uh, at an advertising and design company called Baldwin and, and um, our, you know, our whole thing is we believe the world needs brands to make things better. And as what do you do as a, as a company, when you have a product, you're solving a problem for somebody. And so if you're going to solve that problem, why not, um, why not create an entire ecosystem of behavior around whatever the values are that led to that solution? And so when we look at brands at Baldwin End, we don't just think of the look and feel or the tone of voice, which is where I think a lot of agencies and, um, and design companies do. We, we look at like, well, how does, that, how does that set of values determine how you're going about your distribution or about your media buying or about your um, manufacturing, like all of those things. Like we look at a brand as a set of behaviors based on a, a set of values. 
And those behaviors, only some of them are advertising and design. There's a whole other universe of, um, of behaviors. And so that's what the book's about. And the book is, is very specifically about selling by um, solving problems for people. So as much as it is by doing all the traditional stuff that you do with advertising. So I, always, I say in the book, you know, you got to do your day-to-day marketing activities, but you don't cease being a human being when you walk in the office and the door shuts and you sit down at your desk. And so many marketers kind of do, they just forget they're, they forget they're a human, a person. Yeah, yeah. Did you find out that you were good at copywriting or did you get good at it because of a problem? Well, I, that's the wrong question for me. I grew up in an advertising family. My mother was a media director at an advertising agency in El Paso, Texas. And so I grew up around creative people who did that for a living. And I went, that looks cool. That looks fun. But I was terrible for a long time. I mean, you get into this business and you got to put in your 10,000 hours. I've met some naturals, you know, I've met some natural talent me before. Too. I'm that not one of them. That ain't me. I, I worked yeah. really hard and I got better. And, uh, and I still feel like I'm learning all the time. Like even, you know, even now after being in the business for 35 years, I, I feel like, I, I feel like I still have more to learn and I learn every day. So, so I don't know how good I really am. I know a lot of writers who are better than me that I, I have people that work for me that are better than me. So how important do you think it is? So this podcast, Purpose Driven Entrepreneur, like the the listener for this show is somebody yeah. in a similar stage as me. They yeah. own a company, but they're yeah. not like, they don't own a bunch of companies and yeah. like they're in the early uh, stages of figuring stuff out. Yeah. How important do you think copywriting is for a business owner? Well, I think it's incredibly important, but I think it's the cart before the horse. I think um, the horse is the brand. The horse is your set of values and, and articulating who you are, why you exist and what you're doing. Like, why are you there? I'll, I'll give you a great example. We, I'm also the founder of a, of a brewery called Pony Source Brewing in Durham, North Carolina. We're in three states now, and we would probably be in five states now if, if COVID hadn't happened because we- I'm going to come check you out next time I'm touring in North please Carolina. Please do. Let me know. And uh, beer's on me. Beer tends to be free when I'm around. Um, but, but what we did actually, when we decided we wanted to create a brewery, the, the head brewer and the operations guy and me all sat down before there was a beer made. I mean, we knew that the guy who brewed the beer could make freaking ridiculously good beer and the beer is great. We're, we've been the, the, um, top, uh, we've been the favorite brewery for five years in a row now in the Indy and in Durham. But what we actually did was said, what are we doing? Like, what, why do we want to do this? Like, yes, we want to make a great beer. We want people to enjoy it. We want delicious liquid to go into people's mouths and they go, mm, that's yummy. But yeah. what we actually said we wanted to do is we wanted to create community. We want to be an engine for community. And we want to go into our city, Durham, and be a positive force that builds community on our, in our building, in our block, in our neighborhood, in our kind of ward, and then our city and our state. And, yeah. and when you start there and say, we know exactly what we want to do, think about what you do with beer, right? You sit with somebody, you drink yeah. by yourself, that might be sad. But if you're with somebody, what you're actually doing is you're having a conversation, you're enjoying each other, and um, you're creating empathy. And so that is its own form of community. And so we said, that's what we want to do. And, and um, it has informed everything we've done, everything that has, that we do has, has come out of that to the point where um, when the bathroom bill, I don't know if you know about the, the bathroom bill that happened here, it's known as no. the bathroom bill, but okay. about, I think 2017, 16, 17, there was a, a bill that was rushed through in the dead of night that 
said, you know, trans people can't use the, they have to use the bathrooms of their biological, of their biology. They can't use their bathrooms of their gender. And, okay, okay. and, and it was, you know, it, it was, I, I'll, I'll say, okay, I understand the, the sort of morality of that if you have a certain mindset and I, I will respect that, you know, from a business standpoint, it was disaster. I don't agree with that, but it was a disaster for the state and it's costing the state a ton of money. And we felt like as a brewery that's dedicated to building community, we needed to take a stand on that. But we also believe business as a force for good, right? So we said, how can we create a product that's a sub-brand for ourselves that moves our mission forward, but also helps that constituency that's really important to us? And it's our, they're our customers. And so we created a product, a brand called Don't Be Mean to People. And it's now a sub-brand. It's called Don't Be Mean to People. It raises money for LGBTQ causes. It was national news that we felt put a progressive voice into the into the sort of ecosystem of news in North Carolina that said they're not all a bunch of shitheads. And uh, can I curse? I don't know if I can curse. Yeah, but, you can curse. But uh, and and you know, and I'm not everybody saying everybody asks that after they curse. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm not saying you're a shithead if you believe that. I I just don't agree with it. And so we felt like, well, these are never punch down. You know, punch up. Like. And why are you punching down on these people that have been separated and degraded their entire lives? And so, so we support a summer camp called Chords for um, trans kids, and and we do a, we do a whole bunch of stuff with that. It's actually turned into a fall festival, which we didn't do last year, and we may or may not do this year because of COVID. But um, and it's been an incredible uh, an incredible business builder for us because. Our, if you ever see our branding, and maybe you can post this in show notes or something, but our branding is incredible for Ponysaurus. It's really fun yeah, yeah. and it's beautiful and it's crafted and it's super cool and it's really funny. Our tone of voice is, um, is, is hilarious. You know, We call it willfully stupid, possibly brilliant. So we just say really stupid things that are kind of smart. Okay. Okay. And, okay. Um, but don't be I mean to tell you're a copywriter. You wouldn't have had to tell me that you were a copywriter. I would have been able to just feel it. <laughs> Well, all these things are real. These fund, they're fundamental. These are fundamentals of branding and they're really important yeah, yeah. to me. And so this is really what we're talking about is the fundamentals of branding. And so even when we created this little sub brand, it's got its own brand ethos around it. And um, now that helps us get into doors that helps Pony Source get into doors that we would not necessarily have gotten into. People see Pony Source and go, wow, this is really cool. What is that? Like, what is don't be mean to people? And it just allows us to tell our story. Our story kind of some comes in before us sometimes, or it comes in with us. And it's yeah. a really powerful branding story, but it's built our business and it's given back. So it's profitable, but it also gives part of those profits away to make things better because the world needs brands to make things better. So that's our orientation. And it's fine with me if you don't agree with that. If you want to have kind of a Keynesian view that the market is a, you know, is a, is a emotionless automaton that just wants to make profit and grow. That's up to you, but that's not what I believe. Yeah. Um, just to follow the thread of the conversation, uh, I asked what, uh, what you feel the role of copywriting is yeah. for a business owner. And you took me on this wild ride. Where does, so how, how would you uh, answer that question based on yeah. the story? Yeah. So let me, let me directly answer it now. It's really important as a business owner to be able to articulate your business. And you need to be able to, you know, it's the old elevator conversation, right? You need to be able to walk in and someone goes, what do you do? And you say what you do, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so at Ponysaurus, we say, we don't just make beer, we build community. Yeah, that's beautiful. But we do, you yeah, know? Yeah. 
So um, my other company that I started last year is called Take Your Seat. And it was in response to the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor issue. And we created a company with um, some partners and a VC um, partner that we have that is all about um, the, the goal of the company is to create diverse boards, you know, the, to democratize diversity on boards because we want to create systemic change by using business. Like we think business can actually has a role to do that. And so our, um, we say that our, um, our kind of cop, if I'm going to use copywriting is we're trying to create the world's most, in most inclusive boards. So again, it's about articulating, like someone says, what do you do? I go, well, we're trying to create the world's most inclusive boards. That's what we're trying to do. And it's getting it down into a very simple, um, very simple articulation that touches people, expresses the values and makes people understand and, and enroll into your journey. And I personally love a brand that maybe turns you off too. Like I'm totally cool with, uh, you know, Ben and Jerry's is peace, love and ice cream. And if you don't like that, Ben and Jerry's doesn't care. Yeah, you know, yeah. Now they make fine ice. Their ice cream is incredible, you know. But they're a company that says, "Here's who we are," you know. And I and I don't think you have to be. This doesn't mean you have to be political. I don't want anybody. No, this no, no. Is no. Not what it's about. I, I'm thinking about like where my brain's going as you're talking is obviously like how to think about this in my own business. So yeah. when people ask me, you know, what does Dinosaur House do? Like the answer I usually give is we turn industry leaders into kids book authors. That's beautiful. It's like very, yeah. very clear. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious because there's a why that that's the what that's not exactly the why mm -hmm. the why is we want to connect parent and this is really long. And so like, if I wanted to just give a short why I'd be like, we connect parents with their kids. Mm -hmm. um, but what we really do is we connect parents with their kids over what mom and dad do for a living. Yeah. But I don't know how to shorten it. And at the same time, say it all. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if you have any thoughts. Well, I, you know, I would need time. I mean, this is the thing, like you have to craft these things, you know, but yeah. I, I, what I'm actually hearing from you is that you're trying, it seems to me that you're trying to create some kind of connection. Um, you're trying to create some kind of connection between um, the, the complicated to the simple for people that um, can't understand the complicated, you know, and I don't I know. I actually firmly disagree with that. Oh, good. And, and, and this is one of the things that I, I have conversations with customers about, which is um, kids can really understand complicated topics. You yeah. just have to thoroughly put it in their world sure. and, and, and tell it in a way that's going to cause a lot of big reactions in them yeah. and get them going like, oh, my gosh, what? Like have big reaction triggering sort of books that communicate a complex idea like you can do it like a seven year old can understand it. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because a, a good friend of mine is a very successful creative director in the business. He's got a very successful blog. His name is George Tannenbaum. I'm pimping him out. Okay. Um, I, I don't remember the brand he did this for um, offhand, but he was working on a technology brand that was very complicated and they wanted, they, they needed some way to express it. So he actually wrote it as a kid's book. He wrote a children's mm -hmm. book and he presented yeah, it to yeah. him. And he, his, his, one of his anecdotes was that his client called him and said, my kids understand what I do for the first time. Yes, so it's that is what my company does. Yeah. We, we create the books that help what you just said. Yeah. My kids understand what I do for the first time. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. I, I created this podcast because I wanted to ask the successful business owners the big question of, so this is the question, when you think about what it is that you're really living your life for, 
or how you hope to be known when you die or what's your legacy? What jumps out to you as most important? I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't think about what I want to be remembered for. I, what I strive to do is live as much in the now and meet every moment with an open heart and try to make whoever I come into contact with just make their day a little brighter because they came across me. I, I do have kind of a personal mission, mission statement that, um, that I say to myself a lot and that I, um, that I walk around with, and that's to create, promote, and inspire oneness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that's really important to me. And when you look at all the businesses that I have, you'll see that as a, a core in, um, in what I'm doing. And having that as a person um, adds clarity because, you know, the notion of positioning, talking branding, like positioning is incredibly important. And the essence of positioning is sacrificing what you're not. And it allows you to focus, you know, the, 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 the one of the biggest ironies in marketing is the more you focus, the, the more open your world becomes, right? Mm, you focus yeah. on a very simple, very, um, a very narrow uh, proposition. It actually opens up the world and results for you. Yes, what, does. what doesn't yes. is trying to do too many things at once. Yes. That actually is a recipe for disaster. Yes. You know? the, the, so, yeah. So everything I do is centered around that statement that I, that I just said. That's what I'm trying to do. When did you figure out that that was your statement? And how did you figure that out? It's evolved for a long time. I actually have a really great exercise that I tell people when I, when I try to, I just worked my values. You know, I, I tried to articulate again as a writer, trying to be a strategic person around myself and my, my, um, my own set of values. So there, here's a really great exercise for anybody that, that is um, trying to figure this out, even for their company. And um, it comes off of the uh, notion that you really can't recognize anything in another person or a company without it actually being something that's already inside of you. You just can't. You don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the thing the, one of the shortcuts to finding out what your values are is to say, <clears throat> I'm going to make a list of the top five people I admire. And now I'm going to say um, the top five reasons I admire them. And then you end up with a list of values of why you admire them. And you just said what your values are. Those are your values Interesting. because you can't see it unless you, unless you, uh, you wouldn't be able to see it in them unless it was already in you. I like what you're saying, but when I think about what you're saying, like if I were to do that exercise, I have a feeling I would be writing down traits that I see in other people that I wish I have, not that I have. So I would argue that that's a false, that's a false equivalency. You have them. You don't wish mm-hmm. you have them. You have them. It's what's what's wrong. What's happening there is that your statement is you're 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 uh, you're expressing it in a way of I want or I need. You're not expressing it of I this is what I value. That's what you value. Now yeah, you can true. say I don't always uh, promote, inspire, and create oneness. That doesn't always happen. I get on Facebook and I go rant about something and. And then I always go, why did I just do that? I'm about promoting, creating an inspiring oneness. Okay, I'm gonna, I now need to clean that up. It's just knowing your values. It's knowing a set of values and having something to tilt against. So, so I would argue that, um, that you just need to change your language from, I wish I was to, this is what I value. Yeah, this is I've, of- I've never had anybody articulate it that way. That's very, very cool. Yeah. And I have, I have uh, uh, the, the guy that wrote the book, The Core Value Equation. He's a customer yeah. of mine. And, and, <laughs> and I have it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, he's probably got he's probably got some processes that are way more uh, deep and and rich than mine. But that yeah, my, yeah. the the reason I do it that way is people feel like they're not in touch with their values, and they actually are. They just haven't articulated. And again, you know, if there's something that's happening between you and me, you're all about articulating, and I'm all about articulating. We're just talking about articulation around different things, but articulation of ideas is so important in the world because they don't exist until you articulate them. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're not fully expressed. And, you know, if I look at our political divide right now, it's a series of misarticulated ideas. Mm, uh, I see that. Too. Or po powerfully expressed articulations of ideas that are hateful. And so, you know, what, what, what I believe we need, for instance, as Americans is we need a powerful, we need a new articulation that binds us together. That's what we need. We need marketing to help us. Marketing is actually tearing us apart. I guarantee you right now, if, if can I go off on a, on a thing here? I guarantee you right now at Fox News, there is a marketing department with briefs saying, here's how we, you know, a lot of what marketing is creating an enemy, mm -hmm. right? I so bet that's not like, just at Fox News. I'm not meaning to actually pick on them. I'm using them as an example. because Oh, I, yeah, it, yeah, for sure. It's everywhere. You know, but you can say like, listen, our our um, the New York Times has this whole campaign around the truth, right? It's all about the yeah. truth. Well, the enemy there is fa is falsity. So mm -hmm. you, saying you have an enemy doesn't mean that the, that it's bad. But, yeah, yeah. But I would argue right now that one of the issues, one of the political divides is being driven by Fox News's enemy is actually the Democratic Party, right? Mm, so okay. everything they're doing is about tearing down the Democratic Party in any way they can. And every, I guarantee you, there are strategic documents in that organization around that. Like that's yeah, their yeah. goal is to destroy the Democratic Party. Now, I'm not telling you you should like the Democratic Party. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying it's super clear for me looking at everything they do that they've got a brand that's about destroying the that's it's about owning the libs. It's about destroying the Democratic Party. And there are there are networks on the other side that have the same thing. Yeah, right? and when so, your brand, when you've when you've when your brand is that, that's a very bad thing. When your brand is about destroying the other, that is a very, very bad thing. Yeah. What um, you want to destroy is bad things. You want your enemy to be something yeah. like falsehood, right? Yeah, yeah, or, for sure. Or complacency or whatever it is. So I, I think, you know, all of the companies that I've started, I won't start them unless I have clarity or some kind of articulation around what we're trying to do. And I think, so many people start companies from a passion or from a, you know, it's, it lives in their heart in a way, you know, it's not necessarily about making money. Money is, of course, part of it. And by the way, there are people that just start because they just want to make money and that's their values. That's fine. I don't have any problem yeah, with that, yeah. you know, but I, I think that's the thing that you've got to get uh, in touch with because as a, uh, as a business owner, once you're in touch with it, you're unstoppable. Yeah. I've got one for fun question for you, David, before we go. Uh, what is something that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? So I picked up a guitar after uh, 15 years of not playing. I've been in bands my whole life. But um, once I started uh, my advertising company, Baldwin and I just put it down and I hadn't picked it up. And because of quarantine, I picked it up and uh, I um, forgot what I forgot you know, you, it's all muscle memory and all sorts of things. So I'm very excited about getting, getting good at guitar again. Yeah. Why does that, why is that such a joy for you? It's a release. It's creative. It's um, you know, there's a, there's a, a joke about, about golf, which is what's the difference between brain surgery and golf. You can learn brain surgery. Uh, guitar is a little bit the same thing. It's just that there's, uh -huh. there's no end to the journey. It's a, uh, it's a journey. And I, 
Love being on the journey. Awesome. David, this has been a great conversation. Where are you most active? Where would you want listeners to connect with you? Well, I have a podcast called Brands in Action. If anybody wants to uh, listen to me talk to really great marketing people about all the things we're talking about, it's called Brands yeah. in Action on Spotify and Apple. I'm on uh, Instagram uh, at uh, David L. Baldwin. I, I'm a home bartender and make really awesome cocktails on there. That's and then awesome. my advertising agency is Baldwin and it's uh, baldwinand.com. Great. Uh, David, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. 